Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona, where we lay our scene. From ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life. Whole misadventured piteous overthrows, do with their death bury their parents' strife. The fearful passage of their death-marked love and the continuance of their parents' rage, which but their children's end not could remove, is now the two hours traffic of our stage. The which, if you with patient ears attend, what here shall miss, our toil shall strive to mend. Okay, I know not probably what you were thinking you were gonna get when you came to church this morning. Uh, You may have already guessed it, or maybe I did a terrible job delivering that, but it was the prologue to Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, maybe one of the most famous dramas of all time. It's actually one of my favorite prologues in all of theater because it tells you everything that you need to know about what you are going to watch, about what you're going to enjoy. Drama has always been something that I have loved since I was a kid. I actually went to college to study theater, and it was there that I really learned the importance of good storytelling and how stories have a way of sticking with us. Actually, research shows us that good storytelling, specifically good storytelling with character-driven stories, releases oxytocin in our brains, making us feel better, making us want to engage with the story more, and causes stories to stick with us longer. I never actually performed Romeo and Juliet in my very short stint as an actor um, in that acting career. It didn't last long, obviously. Um, But... This prologue has always stuck with me. It's always been my favorite part of the play, and it's just this short part that I really look back fondly on. I mean, Romeo and Juliet aren't even in the prologue. It's actually done by the chorus of characters that are then inside of the rest of the play, and maybe it's just because those characters in this story is so iconic that I love it so much. Before I get too far on my soapbox and before you become too concerned that we're reading a Shakespearean drama today, we're not, by the way. You don't have to worry about that. I do want to introduce myself to you guys. My name is Brendan Anderson. I'm the student ministries pastor here at the church, and we're currently in the last week of a sermon series called Unsung Heroes, looking at characters in the Bible who most of us overlook. Stories, I hope, that will stick with us long after you have forgotten who on earth told you these stories. Stories like Romeo and Juliet's prologue for me that you will one day look back fondly upon as well. All of the stories that we've told so far, they've fallen under some genre of storytelling. The very first week of the series was a Sabbath Sunday, but on that day, we told a fairy tale about our unsung heroine, Jehoshaphat through a video that we actually got to shoot up in Vitavu. We talked about finding our place in God's story. 
The second week was a documentary looking at the lives of Jesus' disciples, specifically Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. And we talked about what we should be pursuing in our life, specifically the people. Last week, if you remember, or if you were here, was an action story. We talked about how Spider-Man can beat up the Hulk in a fight. I'm just kidding. We didn't talk about that. He could, by the way, though. We talked about Barnabas and Paul and what they teach us when it comes to Christian conflict. And today, I'm so excited to finish off this series with a drama. Drama, honestly, it's a little unfair to use it because it's not really a genre of storytelling. Drama can actually incorporate a lot of different genres like tragedy, like comedy. Um, The big thing when it comes to drama is that it is driven by characters. A character-driven drama is what most of us might hear. It's driven by what they do, how they behave, the way they change, how they interact. And that's exactly what we're going to be looking at today. The drama we're going to be covering centers around one woman and the community that she had grown around her. It's a story about love. It's about sacrifice, about miracles, and maybe above all else, generosity. And while I wish I could go in depth into all of the topics that we are going to find today in this story, the the thing that this woman was most known for, first and foremost, was how generous she was to the people around her. It's from her story that we're actually going to get the answer to our big question today, which is this. What should I know about generosity? What should I know about generosity? The main scripture is Acts chapter 9 verses 36 through 42, and our unsung hero of the day is Tabitha. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 9, or on your phone, you can open the version or whatever Bible app you use. If you forgot your Bibles, as always, all the scripture we read today is going to be up on the screen so that you can follow along. But if you're here today and you don't own a Bible, please don't leave the church today without one. We would love to give you a Bible. Just stop out at guest services, ask for one. We will get it to you absolutely free. We give away Bibles every single week. It's one of my favorite things that we do. So please take a Bible home with you if you don't have one. Uh, Just some quick context before we dive in. Don't worry, we're going to be talking more about context as we continue in her story. I love context, guys. Like this is what I get fired up when it comes to scripture is what's the context that we're going through. Uh, We need to remember some things about the book of Acts. Last week, we actually spent the majority of our time inside of the book of Acts talking about Barnabas and Paul. So if you were here last week and you remember, maybe you weren't here and this is something new for you, this is the start of Christianity. Like this is the start of what we would call church. Like this is early church history right now. Acts chapter 9 is just a few years after Jesus has died on the cross, risen from the grave, and then ascended into heaven. So we're talking early church taking place right now. This means a lot of new believers, a lot of people who wouldn't even call themselves Christians yet. And this is even before God has revealed to Peter that he's going to be opening up the kingdom of heaven to the Gentiles, to the Greeks, to basically the rest of us in the world who are not Jewish. And so that's kind of the scene. That's the setting of the story where we're going to be picking it up in Acts chapter 9, verse 36 says this. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. What should I know about generosity? Number one is this. Generosity is habitual. Generosity is habitual. 
So please welcome with me to the stage, Tabitha. Some things that we need to understand about Tabitha was not just, she was not just a believer. Some other translations of this verse calls her a disciple. And I know that seems kind of pedantic to want to make that sort of distinction between believer and disciple, but I do think it's important to understand right off the bat. To be a disciple was to follow the teachings and discipline of a teacher, specifically for this case, Jesus. And the truth is, even today, we have a lot of people who call themselves believers, call themselves Christians, but wouldn't actually be following what Jesus calls them to the way a disciple would. Maybe you've heard this before, but some people will say they're a believer, but they just don't follow, you know, that certain thing uh, in their life, or, or they just haven't quite given up this thing that they're holding on to that they know God has asked them to give to him, but it's just like, ah, it's hard to let go of it. Or maybe they'll do that thing like serve or lead or give or, or something else as soon as they're not too busy anymore. As soon as they have more that they could give, that's when they'll, they'll start doing it. But that's not really what a disciple's life was, especially in this day when people were still being killed and persecuted for calling themselves a Christian. So Tabitha, we need to understand, is a disciple and she has given herself completely to what Jesus teaches uh, and commands of her, and she's found in the city of Joppa. And this is just a fun fact. Joppa is actually like a famous city in scripture. I don't know, call it famous, little bit famous. Joppa is actually the city where Jonah ran away to in order to escape God's plan on his life. When God said to Jonah, hey, go preach to the Ninevites, he went to Joppa, jumped on a boat, and then got swallowed by a whale. So Joppa's kind of, it's just one of those fun, sorry, we're talking about Tabitha, not Jonah, um, but fun, interesting facts. So it's the home of Tabitha, Jalpa is. And the very first thing we learn about her, other than the fact that her Greek name is maybe the funniest name found in scripture, Dorcas, is that she is generous, all right? She's known for doing kind things for other people. She is always helping the poor. And this is important because we don't actually get to learn very much about this woman, very similar to the rest of the people that we've talked about in this series. Normally, we'd get to discover what she did. If this was a true drama, we would get the background of our character because it's a character-driven story. So we'd know like, if she was a landowner or she's a seamstress or she's a widow or she's the daughter of a lord who falls in love with the son of a competing noble family and they have a blood feud. And Now that's Romeo and Juliet again, see? But you understand what I mean. Like we would know information about this woman and every story, every drama, we get to know about the character we're reading. But for Tabitha, we know one thing. She is generous. She's always doing kind things for others, always helping the poor. And I love this. I love it because it means to me that this is what she does for a living, okay? She is not known for her work in the community. She's not known for her profession. She's not known for hobbies or anything else. She's known by her habitual generosity, always helping others. And we don't actually have any indication of what she actually did for others. We'll, we'll hear a little bit here soon about some of the things she did, but, but we don't get like in detail all of the things that she was known for doing. And I'm not sure if I like it or if I'm disappointed by that. 
But then I remember that what we're reading right now is a story written to a specific group of people at a specific point in time. So the author of the story, Luke, he is not thinking about the fact that 2,000 years later, a church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, was going to be reading his story about this woman, trying to glean just any information we could from it in order to know what was this woman like? What was her life like? I imagine just from that one verse that she opened up her home to anyone who was in need. Like I picture Tabitha and that people would know they could go to her home and that she would always have a warm bed for them or food on the table or just a space for them to rest and feel loved and cared for. I imagine she helped the poor in ways that were meaningful to them providing for them things that they couldn't afford themselves. And I'm not just saying in the way of money or goods, but in love and care. As a disciple, I imagine Tabitha would have been known for lifting other people up in prayer. Not like in the, oh, I'll be praying for you kind of way. You know what I mean? Like actually on her knees, lifting up those who were poor or those who were hurting. I think Tabitha had gotten to a place where I hope all Christians get to, and it was one of habitual generosity. I'm not just talking from a money perspective because I don't believe Tabitha was just known for somebody who would give out money or take care of people because then she would be known as a benefactor and not the way she is. Tabitha was full of good deeds, always helping other people. And I know that's taking assumption to one phrase that's written by Luke, but to be fair, Luke must have known this when he wrote about Tabitha, Like when he's giving her story, he didn't have to say the things that she did in her life because her reputation preceded her and her good works would have been speaking for themselves. What I want is to model a life like Tabitha's where people look at it and they think to themselves, wow, that guy is always helping other people. I want our church to be known as one that is always helping others. So much so that for us, it's second nature. We don't even have to think about it because it's habitual to the point that even after we're gone, if for some weird reason, and it's probably not gonna happen, but I do sort of pray that it does happen, 2,000 years from now, somebody could look back at this specific point in time. They could find our church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and when they looked in on it and saw us as a congregation, as a family of believers, they would say, wow, they were always helping other people. Tabitha was known for her generosity. It was habitual in her life. But what good is a drama if there's no heartbreak and emotion, right? So we need to continue on in Tabitha's story. Verse 37 says this, about this time she became ill and died, which is heartbreaking because we literally just met this woman and her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda. And quick pause real fast. I actually had to look up that word because I wanted to pronounce it Lydda. And I didn't think that was correct. So for those of you who like read scripture and you're like, man, I don't even know how to pronounce these names. Don't worry about it. Make up whatever name you want. You know what you're reading. So it's Lydda. In case you guys were wondering, you don't have to Google it. I did it for you. Peter is nearby at Lydda. And so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. What should I know about generosity? It's habitual. 
And then number two is this. Generosity is tangible. Generosity is tangible. So I want us to remember our verse from earlier. We're gonna keep coming back to it. Tabitha was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. And now after her death, we actually see another facet of Tabitha's life, which was her love and care for widows who were weeping and mourning her death. Who were the widows in this story? I don't know. Scripture doesn't explicitly say, but I did think that it was curious that their point in our story, they show the clothes that Dorcas had made for them to Peter. In that one verse, they actually used Tabitha's Greek name instead of her Aramaic name. And so I just wonder, I was thinking to myself, why would they switch that up? We call her Tabitha and now she switched back to Dorcas. Tabitha is obviously a better name than Dorcas. Um, And I was thinking to myself, I wonder if these widows weren't actually Jewish. And that's why they know Tabitha as Dorcas, her Greek name instead. Because remember, this is still early church history. And so Saul, who we talked about last week, the one that became Paul, like literally he's just now being converted to Christianity. Like in Acts chapter nine, about 30 verses prior to where we're at, Jesus is intervening in Saul's life right now in order to turn him into the man who would then bring the gospel to the Gentiles, to the Greek speaking people. And Peter, he hasn't even been told yet that the kingdom of heaven is for all people. Like Peter still thinks in his mind, listen, it's for Jewish people. And I guess we'll let in the Samaritans because Jesus seems to like them. Like he doesn't know yet that the Greeks are going to be allowed into the kingdom to access salvation either. So we haven't had this huge influx of Gentiles into Christianity yet because they just hadn't heard the gospel. But here is this woman who is known not by her Aramaic name, not by her Jewish name, but her Greek one, unprejudiced against who she is serving because she just knows that God has called her to serve and care for widows, to be generous. It doesn't matter to her if they are Greek or Hebrew or slaves or free or educated. She just knows that they need help and she has the ability to help them in extremely tangible ways. If you remember our fun fact from earlier, we're coming full circle to it now. Joppa is the city that Jonah ran away to in order to jump on a boat and take off in order to escape God's plan for him. So we actually know that Joppa was a port town. It brought in goods from neighboring communities and countries. And in these days, back then, like ordering and purchasing materials cutting them to then assemble them and fit them to then probably take more measurements, alter them, and sew more garments and cloaks and coats and robes and other clothing by hand was tedious and labor-intensive work. Like, I've tried to sew things in my life before, believe it or not, it has not gone well, ever, me sewing. And so these widows, who were probably poor, because they had no family to take care of them. They had no husband to work and bring home money for them. They they wouldn't have been able to do those things for themselves. And so Tabitha took it on herself to make tangible things for them. She was literally living out commands given by Jesus to his followers. She was meeting tangible needs of the community around her to then, I believe, also meet their spiritual needs as well. Tabitha probably understood the fact that it is a lot easier to care for and talk to people about faith and Jesus when they are fully clothed and warm and have a stomach full of food versus starving and freezing. 
mean, Jesus was similar, right? What we read in the gospels when he interacted with people, he met the needs of people physically and then moved on to care for them spiritually as well. Like he was healing and caring for people in tangible ways, ways that would make a difference in their life to then care for their souls in order to take care of their afterlife as well. When we're generous, there is a tangible impact that can be felt. And I don't believe it just has to be monetary for generosity to be tangible. Every single one of us has at least one of three things that we can be generous with. I'm actually really excited to share this with you guys because we talk about this a lot inside of student ministry with our children and youth. The three things that everyone has access to at least one of is time, treasure, or talents. Those are the three things. And some people have all three of those things in their life. Some people only have two. People sometimes, we all at least, we have one at bare minimum. One of those three things you have access to. And I'm not saying that you have to get to a point in your life where you have all three of those things in order to start being generous. That's not it. I'm saying we need to be aware of where we're at in life in order to then know how we can be generous with the things God has given us. So let's start with time. And I'm gonna add in, we're gonna call it tangible time, okay? Tabitha was always doing kind things for others. Like she made it, she made time in her life to bless other people with it. And some of you, you have the ability to be generous with your time. You have the time to maybe volunteer or to serve others or to help an organization or to spiritually pour into students. That's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. To improve things. You can bless other people with your time. Very quickly, I want to focus in on single people in the room. And no, this might not be fair or true for every single, single person. But typically, single people have more time to give to others. It's a blessing. We have more time and freedom to bless other people with. I understand not everyone has the same time available to be generous with. We don't. Every person's life looks different. So let's look at some others. Tangible treasure. This one is fairly straightforward, okay? Maybe God has blessed you with finances so that you can be a blessing. I don't know how wealthy Tabitha was, I know somehow, some way, she had the ability to procure the goods needed to then make clothing for all of these widows in her life. I know that we were told she helped the poor, but I don't know in what ways she actually helped the poor, but it seems to me that she would have at least had some wealth that she was then using to bless others. And maybe you're in a similar position as Tabitha. You can use your treasure to be generous but maybe you don't feel like you have the treasure necessary to be generous. And I get that. Like I get feeling like you don't have very much so that even if you wanted to be generous, like with how much little you have, it doesn't feel like you're really gonna make that much of a tangible impact at all. And so I want us to know that today is actually a really special Sunday because if you didn't know, today is a dollar challenge Sunday. And that out in the lobby, there is a big giant heart, you couldn't have missed it when you came in, filled with dollar bills. And that we do this sporadically throughout the year where we choose a Sunday where everyone brings a dollar to put into the heart and then the church matches that money up to $1,500. And then we pool all of that and we bless an organization in the world. Today, all the money that's given is gonna go to the Laramie County Foster Closet. 
who help foster families in Laramie County by providing tangible needs that they have for children placed inside of foster homes. Usually when a child enters into the foster system, they're giving a trash bag with the clothes that they have, and it's not typically very much. And so Laramie County Foster Closet, what they're able to do then is to offer everything else that a family might need when they receive one of these emergency foster families into their home. They can go there and get goods and clothing and supplies that are going to be necessary for that child to thrive. Even when we feel like we don't have nearly enough to make a difference, the beautiful thing about Christianity is it is a collective faith that it is a family of God and that what we can accomplish together, even by just one single dollar, I truly believe is sometimes greater than what any one person could do on their own. The last one is tangible talents. Tabitha literally made the clothes that the widows were showing Peter. Now I have tried to sew things in my life. When I was in school, I tried to make a duffel bag and... I did in fact sew a duffel bag. I then placed a pair of shoes into the duffel bag and the duffel bag split apart and I never used it again because sewing's hard. Like, I don't know if any of you guys are seamstresses, but I have like a huge respect for people that can work with clothing and fabrics. And so we don't know everything about Tabitha, but it appears to me from the story that we're told, she was a talented seamstress to be making clothes for all of these widows. Tabitha was using her talents to bless other people with it, to be generous. And I don't know what your talents are, but but you do. You know what you bring to the table. And so maybe you are talented in something like making clothing or fixing vehicles, or maybe you're talented in building things and constructing things. Maybe you're not talented at that at all. Like instead of building things, you break things. And we need those kind of people in our lives too. There's a day for demolition, right? Maybe you are talented in things that are not actually physical. Maybe you are talented at creating budgets and helping people stick to them. Maybe you are talented in seeing two sides of a story and bringing people together in reconciliation. Maybe you're talented at listening. We need that. I don't know, but I do know that we all have talents that have either been honed in our lives or just natural God-given abilities that he has given us to be generous with. I've kind of left this part for last. Tabitha, she had all three of these things and was putting them to good work. She used her time, talent, and treasures to tangibly bless the people around her, but we read in that very second verse, she still grew ill and died. And I know that this is just a silly six-verse drama, but I felt that. Like, I felt the widow's hurt. I felt the community that was desperate and mourning and grieving and needing to show Peter, like, look at these tangible things of how this woman has impacted my life. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but even here at the church, I've seen people who have been some of the most loving and generous human beings I have ever met be taken from us entirely too soon. For these widows in our story, this was probably what felt like a death sentence for them as well because Tabitha was caring for them in ways that they couldn't care for themselves. But remember, dramas are not always tragedies. Sometimes they're comedy, sometimes it's a little mix of both. And luckily for us, this drama has a happy ending. 
verse 40 says, but Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers and he presented her to them alive. The news spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord. What should I know about generosity? It's habitual, it's tangible. And number three is this, generosity is telling. Generosity is telling. Some of you might've actually read ahead in the story. You've ever heard this story before. And so you're not as wide-eyed in wonder as I was when I first read this story about Tabitha because we need to remember that this is the first time that a disciple of Jesus has raised someone from the dead. Like this had never happened before. And so the people, when they went to go find Peter and beg him to come back, they didn't know that he could do this. Like they had so much faith in Jesus, in their Lord, that even if they didn't know what Peter was going to do, they just knew he could do something. And Peter, man, I love Peter. Peter must have been so scared. He's seen Jesus raise multiple people from the dead. Like in the gospels, when we read about it, Jesus has actually raised three people from the dead in public in view of the other disciples. So Peter must have known that it was possible but it still had to have been nerve wracking for him to be in that room with those widows, hearing the impact this woman had made in their lives and then feeling like that tug of the Holy Spirit, like, Peter, I need you to raise this woman from the dead. How do you do that? How do you compute that in your brain? Something really interesting about this entire story is the fact that Tabitha never speaks at all. None of her words are recorded in it. This woman, known for her good works, known for helping the poor, known for making clothes for widows, and was so loved that people literally were sending for Peter for a miracle, yet she was not known for her words. She was not known for the things that she said to others. She wasn't known for the way she preached the gospel or converted people to Christianity or told them how wrong they were to be living that way or that's sinful, you need to do this instead. No, she was known for always doing kind things for others, for helping the poor. And yet it's through her life and Peter bringing her back from the dead that many believed in the Lord. Tabitha's generosity was telling. It told Luke, the author, that he needed to record this story. It told the widows and people that were close to her that when she died, they needed to find a miracle. It told Peter that he needed to bring her back from the dead. And it told the town around them that this man, Jesus, that they believed in was for real and that his disciples were no joke and that they didn't just talk the talk because literally Tabitha doesn't even speak. They walked the walk. I don't know if it's fair to say this. I'm going to say it anyway. But I do think that it was because of her generosity that Tabitha's story ended the way that it does. I do believe that it's because of her generosity that caused people to send for Peter to find a miracle. I do believe that it caused Peter to see the tangible difference she was making in the lives of the people around her and forced him to pray 
for something to happen. I do believe that her generosity caused her to come back to life where I imagine instead of talking about the things she was probably doing in heaven, because remember, she literally died. She went to heaven. She was having a party at this time and they brought her back to earth. I imagine instead of talking about it, she just kept doing what she always did. Every good thing for people, always helping the poor. Her story actually reminds me of a passage in the book of James, which, by the way, Pastor Jeff is starting a brand new sermon series next week all about the book of James and the things that James writes inside of it. It's going to be amazing starting next week. But here's a sneak preview of what the book of James looks like. James chapter 2, verse 26 says, Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Just as the body is dead without breath, I get that, I understand that, so also is faith dead without good works. The funny thing about Tabitha though, is she was so full of good works, even her body without breath couldn't be left dead. Peter had to bring her back to continue doing every good thing that she was. And church, I don't want my faith to be dead. Like, I want my generosity to be telling the story of this beautiful drama that is Jesus alive in me. Our mission here at Element is to help guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. An impact that will tell our story to people who might never, who we might never meet, people who might never come into the doors of this church, and yet somehow, some way, they have been touched by our generosity. An impact so powerful that long after we are no longer here, maybe thousands of years into the future, they're still going to be able to show how generous our God is because of the evidence that we left behind, because of how we're remembered an impact that tells the story of a God so generous, he loves us so that we can go and love other people. An impact that is similar to Tabitha's, who probably never expected to be talked about thousands of years later, who never even speaks a word to be recorded inside of scripture but whose generosity still inspires us today. Here's to our unsung heroine. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for Tabitha, for the example she leaves behind in Scripture. God, that without words, without even much much time to tell her story, she can still leave such an impact, not just on the lives that she literally, like, in person impacted, but God, to us today. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us the places in our lives where we can be generous. I pray that you would help us get to a point where we don't have to think about it. That's just second nature to us, that our generosity becomes habitual. I pray that you would Give us inspiration. Help us be creative to find ways to make our generosity tangible. God, that we would know how to use our time, talents, and treasure to bless the people in our lives, even if they are people who we will never meet or never see again. 
And God, I pray that through that, through those ways, that we would be telling the story of how much you love us. I pray that our generosity would be telling of something different in this world, something bigger in this world. And it's that you choose us. So God, today, would you draw each and every one of us closer to your heart? God, would you help us live generous lives? We love you. It's in your name we pray, amen. Hey, thank you guys so much for being here today. If you're new, we would love to meet you. We don't wanna take a bunch of your time, but we'd love to get to meet you and answer any questions you might have about the church. If you'd stop by the living room, that would be amazing. And if you're here today and you have anything on your heart or your mind that you would like to have prayed over, we have an incredible prayer team here at the church. They meet at the back of the auditorium at the purple tent. And so if you would like to talk to somebody and have them pray over you, please stop by there as well. I'm so thankful I have gotten to share with you guys all month long. I hope to see you guys next week. I love you. You guys are dismissed. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.